delete your account, they said. <laughs> Skip a week, they said. What do we care if your next episode comes out late? This is Interview with the Podcast Vampire. I am your host, Dale underscore A, with my uh, illustrious co-hosts, Jonesy Loves Beer, waving to the camera Hello. that's not being recorded. To the non-existent Slim. audience. I, you know, I didn't even wave. I just did yeah, like a classic like two-finger cheap wave. Gotta get, gotta get all she the fingers lift. out there these days. People need it more than ever. I saw full-fisted cheap wave. I saw on a uh, Wrangler recently. Um, there was a sticker of a hand on the driver's side mirror, and it said "Wave, damn it." <laughs> I, I, I appreciated that. You know, sometimes you know you get these people with these Jeep Wrangler Unlimiteds. They don't know. <laughs> you they have no. It's a guessing like, game. Slim is my other co-host, and you know him by his like subtle hate, burning hatred for a Wrangler Unlimited. Like he tries to keep it kosher because people in his life have unlimiteds and love unlimiteds, but boy, he Listen. is right up there in the uh, Reddit slash R slash uh, Wrangler two door TJ slash R. That's not the first of all. That's hello. Second of all, not true. I love hashtag Wrangler Elite. I love them with their fast back tops. You know, let's get rid of those cornered tops, right angle mm, tops. Fast back tops. But listen, J- Wrangler Unlimiteds are hot. Hot stuff. Everyone loves them. People are buying them probably because they're like cheaper Land Rovers. And they're like a beefier Cherokee. They're like a beefier old school Cherokee now. People love those things. But they don't do the GD Jeep Wave. They don't know. This is a f- where they choose this not is to. A fact? They're like, I bought this. This is a fact. There's, I, I'd say, eighty percent wow. of Wrangler Unlimited's wow. I encountered don't do the Jeep Wave. Now, I, now, now that's crazy because back when I in my JLU days, uh, probably twenty ten to twenty twelve, I think you know there were the percentage was a lot higher. I think because back then, you know, it wasn't just an every man's car. It was still mm. sort of like the Jeep purists coming into the four door. Maybe they were having a baby. Maybe they just uh, were getting a new Jeep. And you know now it's you, you can't even go to a, a Jeep dealer and find one manual unlimited on the lot. <laughs> anymore. When I when I got the lift and wheels put on, the guy said that he doesn't even really work on two door Wranglers anymore. It's wow. all unlimited. It's depressing. Yeah. When I, mean, I was, I like, uh, them. I like them a lot. When I was uh, buying my Unlimited back in the day, uh, you know, the guy, the salesman's like, well, this is a, this is a manual. You know that, right? I mean, I, I was like, of course I know that, idiot. What? what? I wouldn't be talking shop with you right now if it wasn't. And uh, he had to drive my old JK, like, round to the back behind the fence, you know, so they can take possession of it. And they made him drive it. And he's like bucking and he didn't know how to drive it. <laughs> You know the uh, they just leaked a uh, someone snapped a photo I think on like an auto show floor of the new JL Ooh. the new Wrangler model stirring up Brand controversy new. that JL that person probably got canned taking that picture yeah 
it probably, first time it's been spotted with probably that camouflage leaked on. pictures of that JL on Reddit and pictures of that guy's face all over Reddit. You know, he probably didn't do the Jeep wave. And those Reddit, those the Jeep subreddit people probably took him right. to task. It was non-LED. They probably called purists. him a soccer mom. <laughs> those soccer moms and their JLUs or JKUs not waving. <laughs> They're animals on the Wrangler subreddit. Relentless. They Delete are. your account, they'd say. <laughs> I'm looking at that picture right now. It doesn't, doesn't look too bad. It looks thinner. Like the undercarriage. It does look... Um, I think it's because it doesn't have a step. It's, you know, it's not going to have? It, rumored? No fold-down windshield. <laughs> you know what it has? You know what I think all models have? Automatic soft top. Uh, Automatic soft top. Like, it'll mm. go down. Gosh, with you a think button. Of the, think of the uh, machinery behind makes that. Me, My gosh. Makes me sick. It does make it makes, it makes me, me sick. sick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Would you call yourself a Jeep purist? Uh, Slim? I I I don't know because the Unlimiteds can look pretty sweet with some modifications. Like stock, I don't like really stock Jake uh, Unlimiteds, but you put like you know 37 inch, 35 inch tires on there, boy howdy. Mm. You're cooking with gas now. There's and a guy maybe uh, get that fast back that top. Unlimited with a huge lift, and it's got the uh, roll. If you can read this, roll me over sticker on the windshield. Mm. It's a pretty classic boss. sticker. Tell you what, people hate on those red subreddits too is those uh, uh, LED lights. Mm. Just can't light stand bars. them. God, sickos. <laughs> Sickos. Anyway, we're here uh, with your neck with your next uh, paper keg slash uh, interview with the podcast vampire uh, crossover episode. Probably the last one of all time, to be honest. The resurrection episode. Because I'm hosting, and I decided to I say those uh, the phrase of our former, I guess, podcast that's not ended because we haven't officially said so but mm-hmm. um this week we went back to the old movie well because we are tried and true founded on movies um born on the fourth of july mm-hmm. tom cruise in uh <laughs> in one of in a powerful role oliver stone i like as I know you're laughing because I, you didn't think I knew how to describe it, but I immediately <laughs> thought of Tom Cruise and it, if that was his natural hair throughout the movie. God. I was actually laughing because Jesse's doing some kind of miming yeah. scenario on the other side of the Oh, yeah, look, he's gone. TV. He left. He just got up and left. He's Jones gone. Style. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> Tom, first of all, we almost did cocktail for the third time. We were <laughs> yes. seconds away from doing cocktail a third time. Right. But... Born on the 4th of July, never seen it before. Tom, the wig budget in this film, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. I mean, because they had to go like skull cap and then wig with like the thinning hair. It was crazy. <laughs> and the and like the mustache, I could probably, I don't know if that's his real mustache. It might be. I could probably maybe grow a better mustache and, I'm not, I mean, and that's not saying a whole lot. He was. He he was so young in the beginning of this movie that I like started to get worried. I was like, "Oh man, what does Tom look like in these later scenes? It oh. might be really bad." Oh man! And well, <laughs> they did their best. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Born on the 4th of July, obviously, is about Vietnam, and uh, he plays Ron Kovic. It's based on his autobiography, where he's a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid, ready to go to war, fight communism, and runs into some, um, you know, uh, things that happened in Vietnam. And he comes home, and, and he has to cope with being paralyzed from the chest down, and uh, not and starting to realize that, um, you know, maybe it's all BS. Maybe, he, maybe his uh, his tagline of fighting for his country and doing what uh, Uncle Sam told him to do and God told him to do was was uh, was a bunch of crap because of what he and his buddies dealt with and uh, the fact that uh, he was involved with a friendly fire incident and, uh, um, you know. Uh, the military basically brushing it under the rug because it's wartime, you know, and that's what happens in the wartime. And there's obviously a lot of account, uh, a lot of accounts of that in, in the Vietnam War. And uh, it's it's a I don't know it's it's a powerful powerful movie. And the first time I saw this, I remember I used to just rent movies as a kid. My mom would pretty much let me rent whatever I want, and I rented it when it was out. So I must have been ten or eleven when it was out to rent, and I did not understand Ooh, a thing. My God. It was a Tom Cruise movie, and I, th- I think I was expecting more of just like an action war movie, and I did not understand the implications that this movie had. I didn't understand the uh, the weight that it had to it, the gravitas, the, the message it was sending, because I didn't know Vietnam at the time. You know, I didn't know half the things that Ron Kovic or... or Tom Cruise portraying him was struggling with, like, you know, with this catheter, like physically I didn't understand it, that kind of thing. And uh, here I am, first time seeing it since then. And, uh, I mean, boy, howdy. The guy sold it. Like, when Tom Cruise came home drunk right before he went to Mexico, like, I just picture him having to clear the set for that scene. (laughs) Because it was... Like it, re- it was real. You know what I mean. It, it was, seemed real. It was real, and then I woke up Amanda during this scene. We're watching it in bed. I woke up. I woke up by laughing hysterically at Tom Cruise yelling "penis." Penis. And if if we can, if I have the editing time, I'll put that scene in here. But he yelled out "penis." He's having this argument with his mom about she's kicking him out. And she, he pulls out his catheter, whips it around right in front of her. Yeah, it's like sloshing around. It, she's like so disgusted that he mentioned the catheter going into his penis. She's like, she she chews the scenery, says, don't ever say that word in this house. Don't say penis in this house. Oh penis. Oh. Penis, big fucking erect penis, oh. mom. Penis. Penis. And then Tom's like, Oh yeah, penis, penis! Like yeah. he hits an octave <laughs> the second time he says it. That it was like the brown note for laughter for me. I just <laughs> yeah, lost it hysterically. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how he hit that high note. It was amazing. I don't know how, and I don't know how he, like it was such. Uh, I don't know, like a scene stealer or a scene refresher. I don't know what the term would be, but how did he? Like he must have had a hard time keeping a straight face, like. <sighs> Because like at the very end, before it cuts to him being uh, carried in by his dad, he's like, "Big erect penis, mom." Like that's the last <laughs> thing he says. <laughs> and it's such a weird, uh, n- dramatic scene. It's like a pivotal scene. Him getting kicked out, 
Yeah. And then he like yells out penis a few times. It almost like took me out of the scene. Like this should be more emotional than this. So I shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. It was really hyper emotional before that. And then it like, and then after it got back, it got that way too, because, um, Tom is in bed. We're like all, all over the place. We're jumping into halfway point of the movie, but Tom is like laying in bed. His dad's putting him in a bed. And I think the quote is who's going to love me Yeah. or like who would love me. And it was like, Oh boy, Tom. Mm. There are points in this movie where I was literally heartbroken, like especially the VA hospital oh. to, Imagine these guys were, you know, having limbs blown off and becoming paralyzed and they come home to a a rat infested, understaffed, disgusting facility and they just got done serving their country and and making, you know, not the ultimate sacrifice, but pretty damn close to the ultimate sacrifice and they were treated with neglect. I mean, I you hear about it, you know, through media, whatever about the uh, the state of the VA and how you know everybody's having a hard time, but like until you visualize it with something like this, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's dire. Like it, it's a dire situation. Like they uh, at one point when uh, Tom Cruise comes home and he has some kind of therapy where they hang him, they suspend him from a bed. Like they got so understaffed, they just left him that way for almost three hours. Like that's, can you imagine like to put yourself in that situation, one already being paralyzed, terrible, whatever, but living with that situation, then having be totally neglected to the fact where you're suspended from a bed, you know, think about the straps cutting into your skin, the blood's rushing to your face, you're probably nauseous and you're just left there for, you have no idea when they're coming back. And you got that terrible hair too. It's like thinning and yeah. weird. <laughs> the wig threads are like probably going through your eyeballs at this point. The and, wig and threads are like barely touching your skin and like you can't move them. They're just like lightly brushing yeah. against your face and it's irritating <laughs> you like, you know, water torture. But you got to You have to like maintain the straight face because you're acting and uh, it's it's like daddy long leg legs Ugh. on all over your side of your cheeks and stuff. God. And, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was really horrendous, Jonesy. And the fact that, like, uh, one of the, um, like, there's so much in that hospital that brings to light the struggles of the time, like the racism riots and how it's it's a different war back home and they're not worried, you know, <laughs> Vietnam is like 13,000 miles away for these people f- dealing with race issues and they can't get a job. And then, you know, the one, like, doctor is like, we're doing the best we can. We're just so underfunded because of the war. And then Tom Cruise is, or Ron Kovic, I should say, is like, you're going to come, you're coming back, right? He's like, I'll be back soon. Like, you know, he's not going to come back <laughs> for another three hours. Like, or stuff, at least he's not coming back that day. Yeah. He even and, asked and, him if he was like a doctor. He didn't even answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He didn't answer that. He's like, we're just understaffed right he's now. He's a janitor you know? with a white coat on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and like the, th- the thing, I mean, there's a lot of things because obviously it's like Vietnam and me, but like Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is 
after he's getting let down from being suspended for three hours, he's the one that's screaming and freaking out. He's like, treat me like a human being. And now, like, he's made out to be crazy, even though he's just sick and tired of, like, just being one of somebody who can't take care of themselves and this understaffed hospital is is doing their best, but that means everybody has to take their turn to hang suspended for three hours. So he gets to be the one to uh, to be freaking out and and demand that as a human being because he's a Vietnam vet and you know the the hospital's over 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 full with Vietnam vets and and mm-hmm. they can't take care of themselves. It's it's crazy. The um this is the first time I've ever seen it, and I didn't know. I kept confusing this movie with, I think, Forrest Gump, like oh, uh, yeah. several scenes in that movie. Like I was waiting for Tom Cruise to show up at like, you know, Washington Monument at some point. And I was like, is the movie over? What happened to that one scene Couldn't I was waiting be for? further from the theme <laughs> right? of yeah. Forrest Gump, I think. You, could, you were waiting for Bubba to show up and tell him about shrimp all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, when is he gonna get get together with Jenny? This is just so depressing. No, wasn't his Lieutenant Dan? That's what <laughs> no, I think. Right. That's what I was thinking of. I mixed Lieutenant this is Dan like the, with the Washington Essie story of Gump. Lieutenant Dan. So I didn't. I don't know what the heck to expect. I just remember bits and pieces of this movie. Probably I saw it maybe when I was eleven too, and just vaguely remembered certain scenes. But the main thing that stuck out at me was Oliver Stone's choice to film Vietnam as almost like a stage play like the set pieces of that that when he's in war it almost looked like a purpose purposeful low budget stage play where we're going to utilize mostly lighting and small set pieces like it wasn't like we're in the shit now Mm -hmm. we're like they're in the forest or they're covered in water and it's hot and like it wasn't super bright or like well lit it was a very interesting choice, I felt like, for for what I would presume would be a big budget film. Yeah. But it felt like very subdued Vietnam. Yeah, and I think um I think maybe it was as seeing it as an eleven year old, the downplay on Vietnam, like you don't the the because he's only in Vietnam for twenty five minutes, like he's a teenager for a half hour of the movie, and he's in Vietnam for twenty five minutes of the movie, and then the next like hour and forty five minutes or hour and a half is him, you know, dealing with his past, and uh, like the the last half of the movie isn't is impactful if you don't know like Vietnam and what everybody went through over there, so like the Vietnam set pieces were like in a movie back lot almost because there was mm-hmm. no, yeah, there was no like, it's like a beach and then they added an orange tint to the right. lens. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like six squad members and some extras. Yeah. Or something like it that. was a very interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and, and it was all through dialogue, how you found out I, I was a second tour in Vietnam. Like he served a whole tour previous to that. Mm-hmm. And like, so that just, that, the line of dialogue was just like, oh, he's been there a long time then, you know, so. Yeah. And the parts that, you know, caused his, like, PTSD outside of the regular Vietnam, but, like, they, they there's so much confusion. He says the word confusion, like, a hundred times, but they're tasked to, like, watch out for, like, a sniper that's in a certain house 
one of the teammates ends up shooting the house. They like, for some reason, maybe they see something that instructs them to shoot or they're in danger and they go to the house and there's like a family living in there and they're all Mm -hmm. shot up. Uh, There's like a baby that's dead, a child that has guts coming out of his stomach. And this speaks more negatively about me and media, but I was like totally desensitized to that scene. I don't know if it's just Mm. kind of dated but or just how I consume media these days and how films are made to to shock you. But like it was almost like the least <clears throat> almost the least shocking scene they could have shown me for me to be a Vietnam vet to be like effed up for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, I get that because it's I think it yeah, played into the whole the whole treatment that they gave to to being in country in this movie but yeah yeah i think you're right like it was impactful but more like the camera play mm, it was strange yeah though and like and less of the way the people were staged with their you know with with their limbs and their guts hanging out and stuff like that mm. it was more i think like 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 I was saying, like I think you just be, have to be like, oh yeah, this is like one of those scenes that happened so many times in Vietnam that they, like I think maybe, like if you didn't know anything about Vietnam or what happened, it wouldn't be as you know impactful to to be experiencing that scene and like to be living with it with Ron Kovic and what he had to deal with. The same with like him killing his buddy by mistake the sand dunes of long beach island (laughs) yeah with a plastic palm tree in the background (laughs) ice cream vendor in the background in in shot accidentally (laughs) yeah but i mean his his growth after was i don't it was i mean it was sold well like i feel like they did a really good job of uh painting pictures of scenarios that happened day after day during the war there and back home and how uh you know it was like a war where the media had the most access so it changed a lot of opinions for of the soldiers back home and when he was uh like the uh the front and back side, like where he was 10 looking at that, like on his dad's shoulders of the parade and everybody was cheering the vets and stuff like that. And then he's in the parade and there's like a, a son on top of his dad and everybody's like shaking their head at him and, and uh, throwing like cans at the car and stuff like that. And he's just like, what the heck's going on here? This is like my yeah, dream. There, there was a, there was a couple scenes where there was role reversals. Mm-hmm. Um, notably at the end where they're doing the protest and he is like orchestrating going back oh, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like he did in Long Beach Island, Vietnam. Uh, but there was also one, I think, where he was getting into it with a guy in the pool hall where like um, the one guy was like, you know, I've been to I've been to war too. What's 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 your problem? We've all been through what you're going through. There was another scene I think that mirrored that 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 he was doing to someone, or it happened again. But there was a few scenes where 
they play it played out again but differently mm. mm-hmm. yeah you're right there was a lot of uh yeah you're right now that i think about it there was and i i made mental notes to try to remember what they were but the um, that's what happens it was it's i i i think i remember talking to you like i'm i keep trying to find like the the perfect vietnam documentary to watch mm. um I tried to watch one that you recommended, but I, I couldn't get past the the right. kooky voiceover stuff. Vietnam in HD, you tried to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Ken Burn one, Ken Burns one, is coming out next month, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so I'm month. I'm interested to see that because I, f- I feel like you know it's uh, it's an understated statement, but like Vietnam was a big deal, and I feel like most people don't even know anything about it. Yeah, I I would agree with that statement. I think um, people, the generation older than us, perhaps our parents, you know, they were maybe like they weren't in it. You know, they weren't in the thick of maybe our parents' parents were probably more grew up around Vietnam. But yeah, you're right. I think it's being quickly forgotten. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of uh, reminders of it. Uh, not like the, the World War Two or something like that. I mean, it's there's reminders of it, but you know, it's just not as uh, prevalent. It's probably like subconsciously on purpose too. Yeah, I think it's probably. Yeah, you're right. It's probably been phased out of you know a lot of uh, you know talks, history talks, and stuff like that. I mean, because it wasn't a. It's very controversial in the very least. Mm-hmm. How about that YouTube video I saw on Reddit that one day? Was that that guy that uh, was in the chopper and he saw the uh, no the melee? Yeah, they were like shooting on what is it local townspeople like the Marines were, and the guy in the chopper saw it and like did he start shooting on his own his own team? Yeah, he's like to save him. He's the only one that like broke the news. Yeah, and got it got it to stop. But yeah, that was that's a crazy crazy thing. There's a really good. There's a really good audio, uh, you know, I'm not to push anything on you, but um, NPR, it's on Audible, but NPR released like a collection of their um, Vietnam stories, and it's like three hours long or something. It's really well produced, and it's uh, just like a, a different collection of uh, like ones about uh, Walter Cronkite, and one mm-hmm. is about like the last guy who flew out of Vietnam during the fall of Saigon and and uh, you know it's like there's stories about you know one or two people who were in it may not survived and their families and then it blows up to like you know it's it gives like a bird's eye view of the of the uh of the war but it's like three hours long it's really good I recommend mm-hmm. it I could send you the deets if you want yeah um, Jones, but, what do you think of uh born on the fourth of July um it's a complicated answer because it is a really exceptional movie. Uh, only, I mean, primarily for its educational value because I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I was like kind of with the character through his whole life, you know, experiencing through wartime. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience with veterans is nothing like, you know, Rick Kovac went through. And uh, I think we all probably are, are close to somebody who served in a war where they're semi-normal they're semi coming home. 
you know, this is kind of like a peek behind the curtain of like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of the movie itself is supposed to be a semi redemption story. You know, boy goes to war, boy gets hurt, boy realizes the war is bad. You know, he boy becomes man, and then you know learns to you know, uses leadership skills to, to speak against the things he doesn't believe. So it's the the story is, is a good, the plot of the film is excellent. I mm-hmm. would say that I was taken out by the fact that it, I'm so far removed from the time it was shot in. And at a Slim's point, some of the set pieces, like if this movie were made now, we, you know, it would be gorgeous to look at. You know what I mean? It would mm. be like a, a cinematic masterpiece. And I also, I feel like I'm the 11-year-old Dale Andrews <laughs> uh, sitting down and watch this movie for the first time thinking it was going to be this thing that it wasn't. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's like, a, there's like a lingering disappointment in the movie because it didn't meet my expectations of what I thought it was. But if I can step outside myself and be objective and be like, this is a really good movie and this is a movie that I think needed to be made. And there's a lot of movies that don't need to be made that are made and this movie needed to mm-hmm. be made, which speaks a lot about, you know, how Ron Kovic's life is important and that story needed to be told to, you know, touch people and educate people. So, very complicated opinion. So yes, mm-hmm. I did like the movie, but for different reasons than I think a, a cinephile would like a movie. Like it wasn't majestic to me, but the story hit home. Yeah, I think I, I Jonesy, I think you're absolutely right, and it's it's a movie that did need to be made, and it is a it's a powerful powerful movie, and a lot of it, like I said, it was 25 minutes spent in Vietnam. And for for a lot of the uh, you know the bookend like Vietnam movies, it's mostly about v- being in Vietnam. Whereas this, like Oliver Stone, took the time, and Ron Kovic, he wrote the book, so he took the time to, to like showcase life for these poor folks after Vietnam, and it wasn't like just uh, just the uh, if. You know, if you had a whole body like his friend Tim, if you had a workable body, it was still crappy because you came home with PTSD and, and, you know, you come home, like you leave for the war with these ideals and you're this person and you come home and, you know, life has moved on without you and you're kind of hoping it's still kind of the same. You're still kind of hoping that, you know... uh, Donna is still thinking about that night of prom and she's been waiting for you for two years ever since, but she's been going to college and getting a taste of her own life. And, you know, your, your best friend styles who, you know, was uh, surfing on top of the van uh, (laughs) before war. Now he's like business, got a business admin degree and he's, uh, you know, putting holes in his hamburgers to save money and screw people out of a good hamburger. <laughs> like, you can see the way these lives of these friends, and it's not t- completely focused on that, but these lives of these friends who, you know, in high school you think you're going to be friends with your friends forever, and, and something like war you come back from and you're growing up with these differing opinions, and they're just like people with differing opinions are going to piss you off. That guy was a douche. Yeah, 
his burger friend. <laughs> his burger friend, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I do think, uh, Dale, very exceptional point that when you leave, you never really come back. But when you come back, your your home isn't the same either. So I guess the, it comes back to you can never really come home. I will say that Tom acted in every single scene like he had something to prove. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I kind of dug mm. that. It reminds me of an old, over-the-top, uh, you know, fork and knife in the scenery, Tom Cruise. And I'm not sure you get that Mission Impossible 8 anymore. This was, you know, about to be a few good men, you know, on the cusp of, you know, Top Gun. Like, the, he was getting into the Tom we know and love. So, like, this is the, in my opinion, the last I've Got Something to Prove movie. Mm-hmm. That he did, he mm. he proved it. He did, you know. The uh, he's got chops. That guy. He sh- he'll be he'll be big someday. He's got potential. <laughs> the full circle uh, <laughs> comments that I was making earlier. I just realized, maybe everyone else did, but the final scene or near final scene of him being like kicked out of the convention hall, thrown on the ground, is a mirror of him in Vietnam getting shot and on the ground because in Vietnam that black guy picks him up. And and pulls him to safety, and then that was it. But mm-hmm. in the protest, the bl- another black guy comes and picks him up, and he regroups and goes back in, which oh, he never so did in like, Vietnam. Right, it was like his redemption, like I mean, what he got a chance to do that he never got to do in Vietnam when he was fighting mm-hmm. his other battle. Mm. Deep. Mm. Wow. Good. It was, I mean, uh, it was a really good movie, we just and obviously closer friends. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, it's. I'm glad Deeper I got level. to see it again since of my love affair with learning about Vietnam. I thought you were going to say your love affair with us. It's a love affair. You know, Dale. I don't. I don't know if you mentioned this book in your list, and I don't think you did. The things they carried by um, Tim uh, O'Brien. Uh, is it a book jug about Tim that? O'Brien, narrated by um, Breaking Bad? Brian Cranston. Cranston. Fantastic, fantastic audiobook. Semi-fictionalized account of his experiences with Vietnam. And in the afterword of the book is a, an interview with him explaining why it's semi-fictionalized and how writing fiction kind of helped get him through his PTSD about certain events. I strongly recommend uh, listening to that book over reading it. And usually I don't say that, even though I'm kind of like an audiobook fan. But... I really recommend listening to this book like by yourself in a car in a parking lot with Kleenex. Wow. For your tears. And maybe a wig. Tom Cruise thinning hair wig. (laughs) (laughs) That rat scratch mustache with like rat hair. Goes with a lady of the night in some dingy Mexican hotel hostel. WH house. There you have it. Born on the 4th of July. We did it. How about Tom breaking his ankle on the set of MI6 during a stunt? Ooh, poor guy. And he's yeah. not a, uh, is this, are we in the fireside now? I think so. Not a string chicken anymore. You know what I mean? He's not. Is Tom almost 60? He's got to be mid I think he's like 53, 54. I think I looked it up after Reacher 2. I had like a midlife crisis. Although, what, um, 
McQuarrie. We, we should Chris start McQuarrie a Twitter says he's in the best shape. Tom's cheeks. <laughs> he's had Tom's Cotton cheeks, those cheeks or something. Jiu-jitsu. I don't know what was going on. McQuarrie says Tom's in the best shape he's ever been in. From wow, them working good for together. Him. Good for him. I mean, the guy is is ripped. Uh, you know, it's funny. So you know what people ask me, Slim. <laughs> Uh, no, I just listened to a, an interview with Damon Lindelof, and he told an anecdote when they were making the Lost pilot. I guess it was, uh, with J.J. Abrams, and he like drove up to J.J.'s mansion to like edit the pilot, and uh, he like turned the corner, and there's Tom Cruise and J.J. watching the pilot, and he's Tom was like trying to give Damon compliments about the show. And Damon was just like, like he couldn't like physically speak to the guy. That's great. There was um that article that came out when the Mummy came out. They did an interview with that dude. Rest in peace from um the nerdist. And he he had like ten anecdotes of co-starring with Tom, working out with Tom. They're all really funny. Who was who's from New Girl in the Mummy? Um, I was in Jurassic Park. The skinny white dude with the dark hair. Just describe three or four people. Aren't there like two? Aren't there like two white guys in the new girl that are like leads? Yeah. Is it the one from Jurassic World or Yeah, the guy from Jurassic World. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He beefed up for the role though. And where did you find that interview, friend? Hmm. I'm not sure you're going to Google that guy's Probably. name. How about uh, the Reddit. Dark Tower getting asked all over on movies? The movie reviewers it's not even took that to task. You give Idris Elba enough money, he'll just he'll <laughs> act in your movie. He'll act in whatever you, you need what, him to that, act in. That Idris Elba hate fest spewing from the last episode. It was intense. So wait, I'm did you hate Luther? I have to know this about you. Did you hate Luther? No, he'll I didn't do hate anything. Luther. Very he'll do anything. He, but he will do anything. You did hate Luther? You couldn't name the five <laughs> movies Idris Elba did uh, for the money. I mean, apparently, pull up, Jensi, pull up his wiki. Let's see what we got here for Idris. He didn't do for the money. He was a vision in Star Trek Beyond. He was a vision and Luther. It was a great movie, Star Trek Beyond. Stunning. When they uh, play Sabotage at the end, oh. Bones is like, oh, they're playing classical music. <laughs> oh, gosh. Golly. Daenerys was in that movie, right? Daenerys Yeah, Targaryen? she played the female protagonist. She's got a real name. I just I think it's never Daenerys. Uh, bothered to learn. Yeah, she changed it. I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> Legally changed it to Mother of Dragons. Dale's busy looking up uh, Idris Elba movies. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> How about Daniel Craig? He's getting zingers ready. Unfortunately saying that he's in for the next Bond movie, officially. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> saying. Yeah. The last two Bond movies, not Man, good. Man, can you imagine if they would have paid the money to get Idris as the next Bond? Dale would have, lo- he would have just crushed his glasses no in his hand. Like Superman, <laughs> Superman 4. I feel like he might crushed. be too old for Bond at this point now. I think Craig is too Idris, old. Come on. Yeah. But who could be the next Bond? Uh, I, they should go with another unknown. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe get Timothy Dalton back. He's like 71. He'll do a good job. He looks great, though. We got another episode to record tonight. All the old Bonds. Big oh, episode. Yeah. 
Do we though? We could just play Titanfall Two. Yeah. <laughs> That's our escape route. <laughs> How about the new uh, Xbox dashboard update coming soon? Changing Ooh. it again. Oh god. I hope not. I feel like they changed making, it every three um, months. They're making avatars more I don't prevalent like again. That motherfucker now. Oh my word! Oh sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. F bomb. Sorry, I, I apologize. <laughs> wow. I've never heard anything like that. Not on this show. I apologize. Baltimore Comic Con, uh, right around the corner. Guys, if you're in for Baltimore, please. Let's hit stop. <laughs> <Car side> over. <laughs> Jensie doesn't want to talk no, about Baltimore. Kidding, he wants kidding. to say it. Stop. Just kidding. We should do that. Baltimore. I, I can't wait. Jensie, are you trying to say you can't go to Baltimore Comic Con right now? Is that was that your subtle way of saying? <laughs> no, I'm that you can't make I'm it? locked in. Mm. I have that whole week off, friend. So we can leave as early as we want Friday. If you guys want to get. If you want to go down Thursday night and go a little oh crazy. Oh my God. Stay out all night. Is that what you're saying? And then end up on the Pisces Lounge. <laughs> the Pisces yeah. Lounge. Uh, that's the place we'll where just, we, we hung out I mean, with uh, the burn. I think that might have been the Pisces Lounge. I yeah. don't think that's wrong. So that's what I'm saying. The hotel <laughs> staff asking us to leave because we're sleeping on the sofas. They had enough of us. Enough God. of our bull ass. Yeah. But they're gonna. But they'll be like, only because their manager made made us leave. Right. Like they're gonna love us, but they're gonna like hate us because mm-hmm. we're making their job like more difficult for one night. But at least we spice Come it up on, a little guys. bit. Yeah, you picture us catting down in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, Uber. I can't wait to get karate chopped down into the land of uh, the wire. Oh yeah. I'm hoping he's going to surprise us with a little The Wire uh, I feel like both of you are going to be on edge walking down the streets of Baltimore waiting <laughs> for someone to, to pop out. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because Baltimore is like, a totally safe city and my fears are totally unfounded. Jones is a stun baton hidden down one pant leg. He's like walking like <laughs> stiff-legged. <laughs> I'll they're be armed with whatever you, I think more is necessary. Than you in Center City, Philadelphia, uh, fearing for your life, <laughs> like it's like it's Vietnam. <laughs> Just saying, collapsible uh, baton. You know, Cold Steel Tonto Voyager XL in my back pocket. Oh you know, my gosh! God. Nobody Google that. <laughs> you will not be pleased. <laughs> Wait, do you have uh, actually a foldable baton? I do. I have a collapsible baton. Where is it right now? What do you use it for? Do you take it with you and try Right now or? it's in the center console of my truck. No, I, okay. we do single stick sometimes in uh, Wing Chun <laughs> with street weapons. <laughs> yeah, what Jensie, am I going to learn? broke my wrist without a, year old a weapon with just his hand. I would never want to engage <laughs> right, in yeah. some kind of test scenario with a baton. <laughs> He's I'd like, be, no, I'd let's be, I'd be, let me put on a couple he, moves with you. I'd be he slams your shin down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, He's like, we're flipping. just playing. Crack. Two listen, two years ago, I accidentally got you on a keto wrist lock, and you have been, you know, writing slamming me ever <laughs> since. I thought we might have to find the Paseco Hospital. God. I thought that was what we were going to have to do. I never did a deal like Paseco. Get out of here. Oh, hogwash. <laughs> 